Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Our special guest, Caroline Corey, is an award-winning filmmaker and the visionary author of best-selling books on consciousness science and energy medicine. As a child and throughout her life, she's had numerous UFO encounters, as well as ESP and precognition experiences, which led her to become deeply connected to existential topics, the study of consciousness, and the mechanics of the universe. After teaching energy medicine and consciousness work for over a decade, Caroline founded Omnium Media, an entertainment and media platform that tackles various thought-provoking topics on the human condition and the nature of reality. In addition to writing and producing, she appears regularly as a guest expert on supernatural phenomena and the science of consciousness at major conferences and television shows, including The Unexplained with William Shatner and History Channel's popular series Ancient Aliens. Among several recent accomplishments, her latest films, Among Us, and Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible, have won nine film awards and two nominations at various festivals around the globe. Caroline is the writer, director, and producer of the new amazing film, A Tear in the Sky, that we will cover today. Claire, this is going to be a lot of fun. Caroline, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks so much for having me. This is going to be fun. Yes. Well, we uh, both Claire and I loved your film. So I want to read a short recap for the audience because uh, yeah. the award-winning documentary film, A Terror in the Sky, takes you on an unprecedented journey into the UFO, UAP phenomena. A team of military personnel, scientists, and special guests like William Shatner and Michio Kaku will attempt to recapture in real time the U.S. Navy Tic Tac UFOs and other space anomalies using state-of-the-art military-grade equipment and technology. And what they find is incredible. So we'd like to know why you took on such an enormous task and start us with when you became first interested in UFOs, please. Yeah, so actually my interest in the whole paranormal world started at a very young age when I was five. You know, as uh, I had experiences, out-of-body experiences type thing. I would see subtle energy and uh, auras and things like that. So, you know, I was kind of open to all of these subjects since I was a child. And uh, I've had several very powerful experiences and uh, witnessed UFOs that kind of, it wasn't just, hey, uh, this is a triangular shape. It doesn't make sense. What propulsion system is that? It was more of a connection with something. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like, this is a life form that's showing up there because that was this instant connection. And so I started asking questions. How, how is that possible? How does it work? Where are they coming from? Who are they? You know, is this, are they crossing dimensions? Are they just crossing space? Um, and so because of that, I've, you know, I started to look into the UFO subject. And a couple of years ago, I, um, um, you know, I was going to do actually the sequel of my last film, Superhuman, but I was guided. I had this inspiration. No, 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 you have to do a film on UFOs. And my signature as, as, a, as a film director, producer, 
is to have a fresh perspective. What can I do on the subject that hasn't been done before? And that what I realized was what was missing was validation, validation, you know, credibility. And so I thought the best way to do that is to do a scientific approach, a scientific investigation into the subject. And that's kind of, and when I researched, did anybody do anything like this, you know, just to have a kind of a frame of reference. And I realized that no one had done anything um, to that level, to that scale. And that's when I was convinced I have to do this. I have to bring the subject to a whole new level and uh, that's how this whole project came about. I really appreciate that because we need some validation. And that's when Michio Kaku, you interviewed him, he said, it's about time. And I, I jumped with joy because that's what we all feel. It's about time. So, um, but in the film, you mentioned that the 2017 release of two videos from the Navy that had pictures of UFOs or UAPs was really of great importance. So did the release of these videos encourage you to make this film? Um, Not at the time. Uh, What happened at that time when all of these uh, New York Times articles and, uh, you know, pretty much everywhere, everybody was talking about it, um, what that did for me was just, hey, this is becoming a credible subject, a mainstream subject, um, so that's what it did, really, at the time. And I felt it kind of gave me more kind of space, you know, more the support that I'm not going to come off as, what is she talking about? <laughs> you know, this person talking about a subject that nobody's heard of. So it, it definitely encouraged me to talk about it. And as you mentioned with Michio Kaku, in fact, I, when I talked to him on the phone before the filming, uh, I told him what I was going to do and how I was going to do it, and that was exactly his words over the phone. He told me, Caroline, it's about time <laughs> someone did that <laughs> scientifically. And so when we were actually filming, I made him say, I said, do you remember what you told me over the phone? It is so important coming from you. And so, yes. you know, so so that's why we, we edited it in the film for sure. Oh, that's really important for everyone to realize we have the physicist here who is saying, come on, let's let's research this. What's going on? Uh, well, first of all, where can people see your film, A Tear in the Sky? Yeah, it's pretty much <laughs> everywhere, multiple platforms on Amazon, iTunes, uh, but also on some platforms like Crackle. The best thing is for people to go to the website com, and then they'll see all the platforms there. Okay. Well, in the film, you had two ex-Navy men who had witnessed some UAPs, and both of them were maligned for reporting what they had seen. Uh, and these men were excellent on camera. They were great guests. And the question is, how did you find these Navy men, Gary and Kevin, Yeah, so um, like I said, I was looking for a team of scientists at first to uh, approach the subject. And so I started looking online who is, um, you know, who has investigated UFOs as scientists and things like that. And then I stumbled on Kevin Day. And um, who, for people who don't know, he was the radar operator who caught the first Navy Tic Tac uh, anomaly, you know, UFO, and we call them Tic Tac because they're the shape of a Tic Tac, you know. And so that he was the one who caught it on his radar, and that whole story that came out in 2017 in the New York Times, CNN, everywhere, was because of him. They released those videos, and then later on the Navy and the Pentagon said, yes, it's true, these are UFOs. We don't know what they are. So anyway, Kevin Day was the first person witnessing, plus the others, including Gary. Gary had to, has to, had to do with the data, uh, collecting the data. 
And so, so as I'm searching for scientists online, I stumble on, on Kevin, and I felt like I wanted to talk to him, and, and he told me, and I saw that he had actually put together a team of scientists as well. And his dream was to go back out there and to reinvestigate what he had witnessed in 2004. And so, so we had this amazing conversation, uh, and he told me his story again, and I was very, very touched. You know, as a filmmaker, um, it's about the humanity. You know, it's one thing to approach a topic this way or that way or bring science or credibility, but in, at the end of the day is how life affects us, you know, who we are. And so his story, the way he told me, was so touching that I decided to incorporate it in the film and to create that balance, you know, especially that our goals were the same. You know, he wanted to do a scientific investigation. I wanted to do the same. And so I told him, but you have to tell your story. I mean, you know, and, and other people have uh, heard, you know, his that story before. But in my movie, he mentions things uh, that were not mentioned anywhere before. And so I was very, plus you saw how emotional uh, they both got uh, because they got to really relive that experience and come to terms with it thanks to the film. Yes, thanks to the film. Yes, that was so important. You cannot fake that kind of feeling. I mean, it touched him to the core. And I have met other people that have had experiences like that. Uh, and and Spielberg told us about that. And uh, what is it? Something uh, of the third kind was that film. Uh, anyway, yeah, exactly. people get get emotional about it because they it, there's something unusual about being in contact with or having seen something like that 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 uh, creates this connection between them and that experience. And when you start telling them that that's malarkey, uh, it really affects their um, emotion. It affects them emotionally. And so when he started talking about it and he got emotional, emotional, it just endeared us to him and his life and what he's had to put up with for telling what he saw. Uh, and he was very brave to get on camera and talk to you like that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, literally, that uh, event changed his life. I mean, it ruined his career. And so, and right. he had been in the Navy for 27 years because of the ridicule, because nobody wanted to believe him. I mean, it was it was really bad for him. Uh, he had very, very severe PTSD. Um, and for him to get back on camera after all this time and to tell his story, uh, you know, even more, give even more detail, I think it was very, very healing for him and for many others as well. It, true, a lot of people. So now I was really impressed with the quality of the electronics that you used and especially the way you introduced us to these state-of-the-art machines and you taught us what to expect from them. I was impressed because... Uh, it was like A, B, C, this machine does this and this, and this is what we're going to look for. Uh, and so I really enjoyed it. Uh, and you mentioned in uh, part of the film that you wanted to create a triangulation uh, for cameras and to pick up information. So tell us why this was important and where you put your teams. Yeah, part of the scientific uh, investigation to do something scientifically and what was really what we realized was really missing in ufology was the quality of devices you know because you see all kinds of really interesting things online you know they people post amazing footage but it's usually one camera one angle maybe two uh, you know a few witnesses here and there but that's not enough data. It's not enough information for uh, a scientist to say this is what it is and this is what it does and this is where it came from. In order to get to that level of understanding, uh, you have to, to have several 
types of devices running at the same time. So, for example, we had the regular CCD cameras, multiple CCD cameras. We had multiple night vision goggles. We have multiple FLIR cameras. These cameras are, you know, $50,000 each. You know, we had eight of them. Um, these cameras are thermal cameras, so they capture the infrared range 10 times more, than, maybe even more, than the regular infrared uh, vision cameras that people know of. And so these are industrial-grade cameras. Um, also, we had radiation detectors, magnetometers, uh, you know, spectrum analyzers. So we had to basically cover uh, the subject from all angles, uh, basically across the spectrum, the entire spectrum of physics at the same time so that we, when we collect the data, we have correlations. We say, oh, this camera picked up this event, but also this other device got triggered at the same time, and this other device did this other thing at the same time. So now we're starting to collect data, multiple you know, um, uh, data points for the same event. Then we can start coming to conclusions. Another very important point is triangulation, which is different angles. Uh, that's another thing. You know, then you can come to conclusions in terms of speed, elevation, you know, all sorts of things that normally you wouldn't get just from looking at uh, one video on, online. You know, it doesn't tell you anything how, because you don't have a frame of reference. So that's why we had hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment running at the same time from three different angles um, over five days and nights. So it was a huge undertaking, and from a production standpoint, as a filmmaker, it was very difficult. I had never done anything like this before, where you're running, um, you're trying to capture things uh, live, <laughs> you know, um, from through all, you know, with all these equipment from different angles. So, so it was a very, very challenging project, to say the least. Who gave you the list of equipment that you needed? Because you must have had a scientific team to create uh, and find those $50,000 cameras. That's wonderful. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, like I said, we had a team of scientists and experts, and one of them was David Mason. He's an engineer and an inventor. So he had uh, actually most of the equipment himself. And so we got, he was part of the team, so we got to use all of these cameras. And he had been using these FLIR cameras for years and years, so he was really an expert in the field. And we were so lucky. But, you know, that's the thing. No one had, has ever done anything like this before. And um, even for them, they had never tried anything like this. So, so even though we had this equipment, but it was really kind of, we had no idea, you know, is this going to work? But we had to go to at least that level um, to really make this scientific, you know, to collect a, a large amount of data to give us information about the subject. You did an excellent job on that because it was totally believable. The men, the quality of their uh, knowledge, education, <clears throat> their interest in the subject matter. You had a wonderful team there. And you rented a beach house in Laguna with a rooftop that you could use for your electronics. Well, <clears throat> what got me was as a producer, you only had, you had a schedule of five days. You had a five-day shoot, and <clears throat> you wanted to do something no one else had ever done before. Um, so that must have put a lot of stress on everybody, knowing that, we know what we've seen before, and we want to see it again, but so how do you make that happen in five days? You, can you tell us that? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I don't, I don't know whoever, for the listeners, you know, the odds of something happening in five days is not that high, really, in terms of UFOs. I mean, I know so many people who go out and they camp out, you know, for several days and, like, nothing happens. And even if it does, 
you you know, like by the time you grab your camera or you find it in your lens and you zoom and it's gone, you know. So so it's not so easy. And, you know, the the closer we got to the – originally we were planning uh, on 10 days, but it was getting very expensive. And uh, I was funding the project, so I was was a little bit uh, getting nervous. And so we thought, you know what, let's just go. Um, And we decided to, on the Laguna location, because it was more the Catalina Island. It was between Catalina and the California coast. So because this is where those Navy pilots um, and other Navy ships also had seen um, these, uh, uh, these objects. And so that's why we picked that location. But the closer we got, uh, the more we realized, oh, my God, five days, is anything going to happen? And we said, you know what, let's just try five days, and then if nothing happens, we can always extend. For, that was a budgetary production decision. And yes. uh, sure enough, you know, the first two days were awash because we had so many technical problems. But then the event started to happen, one anomaly after another, and we ended up with a massive, massive uh, discovery. So um, within the five days, which is almost miraculous, um, but I guess it was meant to be. <laughs> so that's why at the end of the five days, I was like, okay, it's a wrap. <laughs> we're good. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it's incredible what we ended up with. It is. It is. It, it was shocking, and it was so exciting uh, that you all the work you'd gone through and everything uh, was, the, the payoff was worth it, uh, which gets me into uh, the technical work. Um, how did, first of all, how did you get the uh, Shatner and Michio? Let's start with Michio. How did you get him for the documentary? Did you just send him an email and make a request, or did you have a contact to get through to him? Yeah, I mean, you know, as producers, you know, we have contacts. And so I reached out to him. I just emailed him, and I said, this is what I'm doing, and can we talk to you about it? And uh, so we had a brief conversation. Yeah, he responded. And we had a brief conversation, and he was in. I mean, like I said, on the phone, he said, it's, it's about time. It's never been done before. So, uh, so that's, uh, he, you know, he was excited to be part of something that, uh, that was new and fresh and scientific. And William Shatner, how did you get William? Yeah, so, so for William Shatner, it was interesting. We were almost done with production, and... Uh, I, I, so I already kind of, I mean, I knew the material, you know, the, the, the footage that we had captured. It was going to be very strong. I was very confident. But somehow I wanted the film to be more mainstream. Like I wanted to reach more of the mainstream audience. And I felt if we had a, a character, I mean, you know, it's not a scripted thing, obviously, but if we had a personality, a celebrity, or somebody that could carry the message to to be more appealing to the mainstream, um, who would that be? And uh, so, of course, because I'm on other shows in History Channel, you know, so William Shatner came to mind um, as especially he had just been to space or something like that, and... Um, he was totally into the subject of paranormal, UFOs, space discovery, not to mention his acting career. And so he was kind of, I thought his, uh, he would help us bridge the gap between sci-fi, you know, whole sci-fi world, and, you know, true science about UFOs. So uh, at the time, again, for budget reasons, uh, we were towards the end of the production, like I said, but I mentioned to a friend of mine the idea, and um, she said we already had a trailer by then, and uh, she looked at the trailer, and she knew what we had discovered, and I said, you know, having Shatner would be that extra <laughs> thing, um, and she loved the idea. She said, and so she ended up sponsoring that, you know, piece of the the budget for us, and, um, and, and, and that was it. So, we, again, same thing. We reached out to him, 
Um, and it was a pretty quick turnaround, you know. We just uh, said, this is what we're doing. Would you be interested? And it was literally a yes, and that was it. Great, great. Oh, I'm so happy for you because <clears throat> it is so much fun to see him in the film, and the way that you've edited this film is perfect. You you just sort of handheld us through setting up all the technical equipment. It did not get boring, and I'm one, if you start to bore me, I'm out of there. I was glued mm-hmm. to the screen of how you, one equipment after another, but the way that you introduced it, uh, and you also you used animation in a wonderful way, yeah. I think, to simplify some of the com- you know the complications and the visuals uh, with the uh, shoot from Catalina and then uh, Laguna and then the other uh, area. So you did this uh, the animation that gave us a overview of what you were doing, and we were all there. We were right there with you. So. Um, that was brilliant. Thank you very much for that part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, it was uh, actually this was a very difficult uh, film to edit because what happened was we collected all this footage and all this data, and it, it's not scripted, as you know. I mean, documentaries are already hard to edit, but this one, it, it was it, we had the actual footage, we had stuff that we filmed live and things we li- we filmed afterwards, you know, like the interviews and stuff. And to piece it together, um, like you're saying, in a, in a not boring way, but uh, exciting way, but at the same time, you really had to set it up clearly for the viewer. Like, you know, what is this equipment doing? Why is it relevant? What is it that we're after that's different? So so it was very, actually, it was very difficult to edit this project, um, you know, and it took many, many, many passes before we got it to where it is today. Well, you did a great job. Who was your editor? Would you like to share that? Yeah, it's uh, George Lambriotis. Uh, so I used um, a post-production house, the Lux uh, Angeles, and actually they were my team, also for in terms of cinematography and uh so i i met uh, lenny Tully, my cinematographer on the project and uh you know they they have a like i said this uh production company and they had um also equipment which i was very excited about because normally we go out and rent equipment separately you know i hire i kind of piece it together i want this dp and this other uh, editor and this other lighting person, you know what I mean? But uh-huh. they, their whole team actually fit the bill. They had everything I was looking for, and uh, they had red cameras. So we used that. That was another thing for a documentary, especially on this subject. You don't see um, this type of cinematography with the, you know, filmed on red cameras. You know, we had five red cameras, um, we filmed in 5K, so so it was a very high quality production that also is uh, quite unusual, different for this type of documentary. You don't see that quality out there, and uh, we got along great. I mean, I love these guys. We got along great, and I thought, okay, instead of me piecing it together, let's see if we can team up and make this happen from a production point of view. And it worked out fantastic. It was really, really amazing uh, on site. Because it, even for them to have three teams, three different locations, you know, it, it was very challenging and we did it. We did it. And it was very smooth and fantastic working with them. Oh, that's good to hear. That is because it it made it a lot easier for you to focus on what you wanted to achieve. And Clara wants to ask you about Travis Taylor. Yes, thank you, Carol. Yes, now Travis Taylor, who's an astrophysicist uh, that was in the film as well, I understand he's also a friend of yours, he offered a lot of great support and wisdom in the film. And one thing that he said was that scientists are going to have to take all this more seriously if we're ever going to get to the bottom of the phenomenon. 
And since the release of your film, have you noticed more interest in the scientific community on this topic? Yeah, so for Travis, I've I've known Travis from uh, the History Channel. You know, we're both on uh, similar programs, the uh, Ancient Aliens, the Unexplained. And so what happens is that sometimes when uh, the A&E networks do conferences, we're both in the same, you know, we share green rooms and stuff like that. So I met him a few years ago. And, uh, and we, you know, yeah, we're friends and we talk a lot. And, uh, and I've, he's on a show called the Skinwalker Ranch. And so I've been there as well. And, uh, I wanted to, so we kind of, what I like about, uh, Travis is that he's, he was a, I mean, he still is a hardcore scientist, but through working with paranormal subjects on, on the show Skinwalker Ranch, dealing with anomalies, things that totally, you know, break the laws of physics right there, um, you know, he changed, you know, as a scientist, as a physicist, I mean, as an astrophysicist, he he became so much more open and to the idea that, uh, you know, the physical laws need to be expanded and, you know, that we don't know everything. And so as a mm-hmm. scientist, he's very credible. And uh, in the movie, uh, I, I wanted to find an, an interesting way to to introduce the 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 devices that we were using. You know, I mean, how do you do that? I wasn't going to spend. We're not going to do a, a. You know, it's, so 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 from a from a as a filmmaker, I thought if I invite a scientist on set and they're having a, like through a normal conversation, we could share the technical details of the equipment. Um, as part of a scene, you know, uh, plus he would offer his perspective as a scientist from coming as an outsider. And so that's how I, I invited him. And of course, you know, he was uh, very happy to do that. Um, and then since the movie, yeah, the scientific community, so especially with the discoveries that we've made, I mean, we haven't talked about what we filmed, but we've made some very, very, um, amazing discoveries uh one of them could be a potential wormhole um you know because it was some sort of opening and closing and objects coming out of it to this day there's not one scientist that can explain uh what that is and so we have been the scientists in the movie have been to conferences sharing the information with hundreds of scientists and experts in the field and everyone is pretty baffled. Definitely we're raising the interest, the curiosity, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen an official something like, okay, we really have to, uh, the scientific coalition of UAP, for UAPs has, had been around looking into it, but I haven't seen a specific effort focused on this quite yet. However, from a governmental point of view, as you know, uh, last year we had the um, uh, the congressional hearing, um, not last year, a few months ago, which again brought up the subject to a whole new level of credibility. Now we are talking about uh, gathering data and reports on UFOs. This is uh, you know Congress requesting that you know, having a congressional hearing. So so there's that that happened since the movie. Um, but the scientific community, I think, is still catching up. Yes, I can see that, too. And you all did a great job ruling out the mundane explanations, that they're not satellites, they're not drones, they're not aircraft, it's not a bird or a bug. Incredible work that you guys did, and the excitement was off the hook with you and your team. But I also hear that the UAPX team, and that's the the group of people that worked on your film together as a team, I hear that they are planning on making all of their scientific data publicly available. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? I, I, I wonder if there are any new developments on that. Yeah, I'm not quite sure because they, you know, they have their own projects as well. And so uh, all of the data that we collected from this film that is not in the film, they were going to release that. But that's 
kind of part of their project. I, I was just concerned with what we've captured in the film. Um, so yeah, that's it's kind of it's kind of a separate organization, and, and I'm not sure what they're planning right now. But that's the announcement they made, and that's what uh, they're planning on doing. Uh, but we came out with uh, not only what people will see in the movie, which uh, is not just your typical UFO capture as you saw, but you know amazing things, things that came out of nowhere, rotate, uh, disappear, appear, and then disappear. Things that register cold, you know, fly in the air, registering cold, which uh, doesn't make sense in terms of propulsion. So we capture those. We captured, we captured objects falling into the water. I mean, at very, very high speed, they were literally dropping in the water, illuminating the water, never been seen before, never, you know, again, they were on fleers, so they're not visible to the naked eye, but through those cameras. And finally, people will see that in the trailer, um, you know, and in the movie, I hope, the, this, um, uh, you know, this, uh, wormhole-like anomaly, something that opens and closes, and then there's actual objects. So now you're working with scientists. You know, we, we have to have a process and, and software. So it's software and human brains actually working to eliminate uh, the mundane explanation. The first thing we look at, oh, it's a camera glitch, you know, uh, because, you know, these scientists aren't going to just look at something and say it's a UFO. That's crazy. That's the point, is to rule out um, that it's not a camera glitch, it's not a bur it's not a bug, it's not this, it's not that. Well, if it's none of these mundane explanations, so what is it? <laughs> you know? And so that's kind of what uh, the process was. Uh, and we showed in the film those uh, anomalies that, we felt were 100% anomalies because there was no explanation that would make sense to explain something like this. On top of this, uh, these scientists are connected to other organizations. And so when we saw the anomaly that looked like a wormhole uh, that was captured on camera, on our camera, you know, of course, same thing. These, this, this, it's a huge thing for a scientist to go out and say, hey, we discovered a woman. I mean, they're not going to put their neck on the line so easily. <laughs> so, in a, you know, in addition to, uh, you, know, the, the, you know, this process, they also check with different organizations. So they check with NASA. They check with, uh, for example, maybe it is some sort of, um, radiation, something going on. Maybe it's a solar flare that created this thing, this opening in space or something. You know, like they look at every possible potential something. <laughs> you know, they contact all of these organizations, and then when nothing checks out, then they say, wait a minute, I think this, this could be that, you know. So, so that is, it's a very rigorous process. It's, it's not so lightly, you know, and, and I like the idea that these are hardcore scientists. They're, they're not gonna mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, believe, uh, right away, oh, this is like woo-woo stuff or anything like that. And that's what makes this film very, very different and very credible. True. And in fact, very if I true. may add, yeah, even since the film was, uh, released, we continued uh, the scientists continued to try to collect data on especially that last anomaly, the, the wormhole, potential wormhole-like thing. And so, uh, so we uh, contacted several satellite imaging data organizations, private and governmental, to see maybe we have some satellite images that correspond to what we captured. And we couldn't find, we couldn't get any satellite imagery from anywhere. Um, and finally, we requested, uh, we, we filed for a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act request to the government. And uh, they came back saying, yes, we have, uh, we have all the satellite imagery of this area and everything. But the ones you are looking for at that time, those coordinates, um, in that location is uh, classified. So, uh, what do you make of that? 
<laughs> what do wow. you make of that? I exactly. like that. <laughs> that is a good answer. Exactly. So, yeah, so it's like, so if it's they are, they have the right, they said you can appeal or whatever. Okay, but if you, you know, if you appeal, um, I mean, if they have the right to reject uh, the, the request as a classified material, if it's, for example, for national security or some military thing. But this object was 1,500 feet up above us, like you could see. And so there's no military anything going on. I mean, like the, you know, we, if, if there were helicopters or something, you know, like we would have seen some sort of military crafts or something. Maybe there's nothing going on there. So what, why are mm-hmm. they saying we can't have the data? What, what are they hiding? Like what's going on there, you know? Right. Wow. <laughs> That's <laughs> wonderful. Uh, well, has this raised the consciousness about UFOs, do you think? Those people who have seen it, uh, what are they saying about it? Yeah, I mean, you mean the people who have seen the movie or? Yes, yeah, just uh, uh, the audience and uh, in, in general. Is the audience loving it and happy for what you do? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I think so. I think most people realize that this has never been done before, so it was a very refreshing uh, perspective. But also, some of the footage, like I said, you you don't see this on YouTube. The, those falling objects in the in the water, these were captured on the FLIR cameras. Those again, those infrared, um, very high quality cameras. So you don't see those things. So and and that wormhole anomaly. So those types of of footage is, is only in our film. So I think a lot of people were very, very excited about the type of devices and equipment we had. They were very impressed with the setting and the fact that we do have anomalies, um, you know, in such a short time. Uh, is, I think people loved it. Um, there's always people who, you know, you can, they can see it themselves in front of them. They, you know, they could be a flying saucer in front of them and they're still going to say there's some sort of, movie special effects or something, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but in general, uh, we've had a great, great, and the reviews on the film were awesome, you know. So uh, the general uh, reviews, the coverage, uh, PR coverage, everything was fantastic. Wonderful. And did you hire someone to help you with the outreach and the PR? Yeah, yeah, our distributor. Uh, I work closely with the distri- our distributor and uh we team up with uh, a PR company, and they put out, you know, the press releases and uh, and that sort of uh, coverage to, you know, to to make sure people know that this is out or where they can see it, etc. So, um, but you know, they don't have any control over the reviewers, you know. So they send it out. They say, hey, this is what's out, and then um, we had a lot of reviews actually. Uh, quite a bit of coverage, and like I said, there, other than a couple here and there, um, the reviews were fantastic, and the coverage was amazing. The PR company did a great job. Oh, wonderful! And can I ask what's on the books? What is coming up? What's next? Yeah, I mean, because of the success of this film, especially. After what I just shared with the, you know, with the FOIA request, um, you know, I think we need to continue that investigation. I want to know what this wormhole thing is. I mean, what, well, what is that? You know, no one's captured anything like this before, and so I'm in, already in pre-production on the sequel. In fact, it's probably a series, so I'm putting this whole project together right now. Oh, good! It would be a series. That would be marvelous. Uh, and you, you yeah. are going to continue the investigation around the wormhole. Is that possible? And uh, is it a wormhole? I guess is the first thing to We don't know. Decide. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just to figure out, you know, especially in that particular area. So, yeah, it's going to go a little bit more than that. Of course, it's not just one thing. Um, so I'm, pl- I'm, I'm writing right now, you know, what the story should be and how we're going to go about it. Um, so we're in that process. And also, my other film, we didn't talk about that, Superhuman. Uh, this is yes. totally, totally different. But it had 
such a big success as well. It is nothing to do with UFOs. It has to do with mind matter, with consciousness. Um, and it had a great success because I also did scientific experiments uh, with that. And so, uh, you know, when I realized how much people like that movie, I also want to do the sequel of that. So I don't know. I have all these projects lined up right now, but uh, I'm definitely moving forward with the sequel of uh, A Tear in the Sky. Fantastic. And also superhuman. Wow. That is a lot of work. Yeah. Well, good for you. Yeah. And just uh, before we say goodbye, I want to know more uh, about the company that you have, uh, Omnium Media. Tell us what that does. Yeah, it's my own company, and so my own production company. And basically, these are the types of films that, that we do, um, you know, short series or standalone documentaries. Uh, and usually it's on those types of subjects, paranormal made normal, you know, bringing credibility, bringing science, uh, bringing the subject to a whole new level. And also what makes our company different is, um, you know, the quality, the production value that you normally don't find in this type of uh, documentaries on these subjects, at least. I mean, it's not a uh, not geo environmental type documentaries, you know, usually UFOs are cheaply made. And uh, and so so that's kind of what I try to, to do to really, as a filmmaker and as a production company, to try to keep that quality of filmmaking as well. Um, so that's what I'm, but, um, you know, we've been kind of self-funding for a while, but now our productions are getting even bigger and with series and stuff. So we're we're looking to team up with investors and uh, you know organizations that help uh, finance uh, the projects as well. Well, that's good, and that would be a great investment because it's paranormal. Everybody wants to know about that. There's a wonderful market for films about these things, and uh, you're just lucky, Caroline. All the 365 days of the year, you hit the ride five days. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's actually a very good point. You know, what are the odds that it happened to be exactly at the time that we were there that we would collect not only unusual and uh, very important footage, but, uh, I mean, it, it, a lot of it. You know, we, we still have hundreds of hours of, of data to go through. And so what, but what this tells me, yeah, either we're extremely lucky or it's actually happening all the time, and we're just not paying attention. And we're not, like, how many people have these uh, equipment set up looking at the sky, you know? And like I said, a lot of this equipment that we had is in the infrared range. And when you talk about infrared, it's the non-visible range. So you could be looking at the sky, seeing nothing, when in fact there's all kinds of stuff happening, and so that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think we just got lucky. I think we just made the point that these objects and these things are happening all the time. And if we had the proper equipment, we would be actually capturing a lot more. That's what this film does. And think about this. If in five days, us as civilians uh, with the proper equipment, mind you, uh, we were able to capture definite anomalies and also so much other data. Think about the government that has million-dollar radars, satellites, you know, the highest quality of everything, continuously pointing at the sky. I mean, come on. If we did that in five days, you can't tell me that they don't have data um, that, uh, that would be even better than ours, you know what I mean? So that's another thing that this film does. Like, what's going on here, you know? So uh, that's what I'm hoping to, uh, to the point that I'm trying to make, like you're saying. I don't think it's luck. I think it's just happening all the time. Wow, that is a heck of a statement, Caroline. And that was uh, <laughs> only, I mean, that is a very simple conclusion. This is going on all the time, but we can't see it with our uh, the sight we've been given. You have to have super sight to see it, but it's there. 
How amazing. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so you go back to some of the old films, you know, about uh, that they're there, you just can't see them. <laughs> I mean, some of them Corbin. obviously you can, yeah, but but there's a lot that you can't see. And you can't right. capture, you know, that's that's the thing, so... <laughs> you can't capture it, right. Well, thank you for a brilliant film and for entertaining and educating all of us. And uh, Claire and I wish you a lot of good luck with your screenings and more success. And we're looking forward, hopefully maybe we can talk to you in another six or eight months and find out about your second film on uh, the follow-up. That sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Good. Oh, well, yeah. we appreciate your work. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Claire. Yes, you're welcome. Always a pleasure. And this was this was ex- an exciting conversation for me. And I know for all of our listeners, too, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of feedback with people asking, when's the next one coming out? <laughs> so we're looking <laughs> well, forward we to that. we want people to watch this one. We want people to watch this one, too. So. <laughs> absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You have to see yeah. this. There's nothing we can say to you. In the description... Uh, uh, Sorry, in the description, yes. do you mind adding the website, itairinthesky.com? Oh, it is in there. Yes. Okay. Uh, com is in the description to make it easier for those of you tuning in. You can just click on that link. Okay, cool. Great. <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. Okay. Thanks Take so care. much for Bye. having me. Speak to you soon. Yes. Bye-bye. Be well, everyone. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.